Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. My name is Mickey. I'm a worship arts coordinator at Baylife Church. And I'm Travis, and I'm the teaching pastor at Baylife Church. And we want to welcome you to the Stone Table. Thanksgiving week, Travis. Can you believe it? I it's. <laughs> I've, I've said this before, but COVID has turned this whole year into a blur. Right. I don't even know what month it is most days. I know. And I'm it, at like a total loss. And it sometimes it feels like time has stood still, and then other times it feels like it just went by super fast. So right. I think it's kind of warped everybody's sense of time. So I don't think we're alone in this. Somehow mysteriously, we've ended up at the week of Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. And here th- we are. even though this is like a holiday week, we we've created more work for ourselves. We really have. <laughs> because we decided that we were going to paint our study on our day off. Yes. Well, here's the thing. Things have been busy around here, you know. We've been yes busy putting stuff stuff out. You know, things are picking up at the church. You know, mm-hmm. Christmas is Super Upon Bowl us. season for us. So. Super Bowl of Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> so things are being really busy, or they're getting really busy. I don't know why I said being busy. Yeah, you conjugated that word wrong. Yeah, I, uh, things are being. Listen, really busy. English is not my first language, so you'll have to forgive me. <laughs> it's, um, it's okay. But yeah, so we did create some more work for ourselves because we decided, you know, we have a couple days off we should paint a room and so yeah so we picked out some paint at home depot we did we're about to go get some wallpaper we are you i don't know how you guys feel about wallpaper but we have been thinking about wallpaper for such a long time now yeah and we went uh we were just looking at some stuff online Mm -hmm. and we decided you know what we need to go to the store and buy some because do you think that that our love of wallpaper has come because we've been watching like Victorian gothic yes, films. I think so. Yeah. Because more and more when I see wallpaper pop up on shows and movies, yeah. I'm like, dang, that looks great. And we should yeah. do that. Yeah. So but yeah. you've also always had kind of like a Victorian. It's aesthetic. my aesthetic. Yeah. That's my aesthetic. Yeah. It really is. So I, I've always loved that whole design era. Mm-hmm. So now that we have a chance to uh, kind of redo uh, an important room in our house, you know, it's mm-hmm. where we do a lot of our thinking. It's where the podcast and happens. And working. Sometimes. Yep. Yeah, so we are going to go ahead and uh, try to make it... Paint and paper. Yeah. Make it beautiful. Make it nice and regal. So, yeah, yeah, that is what's going on. And Mm -hmm. then Thursday, we are uh, preparing for Thanksgiving, which we are still trying to think through things to make. Yeah. So, here's a question. I mean, you you mentioned English is not your first language. Your family moved here from Argentina. And Thanksgiving is distinctively an American holiday. So... What does your family do for Thanksgiving, if anything at all? Yeah, so my family has always just done the typical turkey, you know, okay. salad. Do you do cranberry potatoes. stuff? Yes. So I'm investigating because we're celebrating I know, Thanksgiving with I know. your family this week. We are. So, yeah, my, my parents really love the cranberry sauce from the can. I know that's a big debate, right? Yeah. Whether it comes from the can or fresh cranberries. But sure. I've never gotten really excited about that i think it's gross whether it's fresh or from the can i don't love that i don't i don't understand how that goes with turkey but here's the thing i always because it looks good right it's like this deep red color yeah it looks like really satisfying and i always put some on my plate and i eat like two bites and throw the rest away yeah and then i forget by thanksgiving next year that i don't really like cranberry sauce and (laughs) and i repeat the process yes i've probably wasted gallons of cranberry sauce over the years yeah i can't really get with that i don't know maybe it's just a palate thing it's just not my it's just not my thing but do your parents do anything distinctively argentine for thanksgiving oh it's they make like empanadas or no will we get empanadas i don't know we might my mom makes some really great empanadas but yeah she does i don't know i can definitely request it though (laughs) we should put in a formal request yeah right but yeah yeah, no they just typically do the turkey thing and Mm -hmm. some sides uh my parents have never been big on mac and cheese Mm. so i've never had like mac and cheese for thanksgiving but that's always the thing that i want the most well i think we've we've settled on what we should bring and it's mac it's mac and cheese because they yeah there's yeah. usually not any mac it's and not cheese. there we're filling a filling a need <laughs> yes. meeting a need yeah exactly 
So in the midst of all of this Thanksgiving busyness and us making more work for ourselves with painting the study and wallpapering, <laughs> we did find some time to sit down with some really good friends for our episode this week. Yes, we did. So we have been excited to share this conversation for a while now. Months, yeah. So uh, yes, we were finally able to sit down with some dear friends of ours, uh, the Wilders. Yes. So Kevin and Melanie Wilder are two of our dearest friends. And uh, Kevin serves as an elder at Covenant Life Church here in Tampa. So that's always exciting to uh, interview people from our very own city. Yeah, from the greatest city in the world. Of course. Uh, and his wife, Mel, uh, is an incredible singer. She serves on their worship team, and she's also a community group leader alongside Kevin. And so they are very much involved in Tampa's CLC family. So. Yeah. And we sit down to talk with Kevin and Mel specifically about their journey through infertility. Yes. Uh, this was about a two and a half year journey for them. Mm-hmm. And, and we know, and the reason that we're having this conversation is that they're not alone in this experience. Right. It's something that many, many people walk through and it's not widely discussed in the church. And so together we just talk about how God met them in the middle of that season and some he of the ways that, that, that God carried them and the church supported them through yes. that in the hopes that this will help other people who are walking through something like that. And I so appreciate their honesty mm-hmm. in this conversation. They're, they're very candid yes. about all of the, the, the triumphs and all of the, the trials that yeah. come with walking through uh, struggling to conceive. And Definitely. so it's a very honest and raw conversation. Yeah. And it is one of my favorite conversations that we've had here on the show. Yeah, um, for so sure. I am so excited to share it with you all. And you will notice in this episode that uh, this season of life did not last forever for the Wilders. No, it didn't. Because we are joined by a third little guest, uh, yeah. <laughs> their daughter, Etta. Um, yeah. And so you will hear her kind of chime in every now and again. Yeah. Um, Etta was sitting in the living room <laughs> while we were in the kitchen recording this. And so yes. there's, there's a few times times where you might be surprised by <laughs> by her contributing with yes. a, a baby shout. Um, uh, yes. So do not be alarmed. Uh, but yeah, you'll hear her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it really is a great interview. And, and it's it's great that, that there was an end to this season yes. for them. And they can yes. kind of talk about how God carried them through. And we, we realize that there are going to be people listening who are still in that season. Mm-hmm. And I think they offer some great encouragement for those who, who have not reached the end of this yes. experience. Absolutely. Um, so we're so excited to share it with uh, those of you who are listening. I can't wait for you to check out this episode and our conversation with our friends, Kevin and Melanie Wilder. So for Baylife Church, I'm Travis. And I'm Mickey. And this is The Stone Table. Well, Kevin and Mel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're super excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Very excited to, to be here with you guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I've known you all for a long time now. Uh, Mel, I've known you for about 10 years, and Kevin, I've known you for at least five. Um, That's right. And so the conversation we're going to get into today is is one that we've been having as friends for quite a while. Uh, right. But there's certainly mm-hmm. going to be people who listen to this who don't know anything about you. Maybe they Google your name when they see that you're on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, who are these famous people on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think it might be helpful for people as we talk about your story and God's uh, grace to you in the midst of your story. Um, maybe just share a little bit about yourselves. How did you all meet? Yep. Uh, how did you uh, move from being friends to falling in love and getting married and, and yeah, that whole journey? Yeah, so we are both Tampa natives and around seven years ago and some change, we met at our church, Covenant Life Church mm-hmm. in Tampa, Florida. And, you know, Travis, there's nothing like a good small church romance. <laughs> Scandalous. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were friends for a little while and got to know each other um, just at the church. It was pretty small at the time. And God was gracious. We, uh, we got together and things kind of moved from there. And we got married in 2016. And here we are. And yeah. here we are. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, oh, sorry. Yeah, I think, Travis, you you were at our wedding, but I didn't know you at the time. I know. So yeah. yeah. You didn't know how. Well, you, you made up for it because you both were in our wedding. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. So we, we flipped the right. script on that one. We did, yeah. Um, Kevin, you said that, you know, you're both Tampa natives, but I you lived in Birmingham, Alabama for a little while. I did. It was it during this time that you were in a ska band? Yes. Thank you for yeah. bringing that up. I had idea until Travis just when we were going through the points we were like okay what are we going to talk about we need to think of intro questions and so he just started typing Kevin was in a ska band question mark and I was like 
what? Question he was? <laughs> right. It is usually the the first thing I tell people about myself. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Lead um, with that. Yeah. And then I'll let them know I'm a Christian. And <laughs> yeah. Right. The, but first things but, first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you grow up in the 90s and you have a bowl cut braces, <laughs> and, uh, you play in the band. Right. There's only one way to make that cool. Or at least I thought so in, in the 90s. And so, Man. yeah, played in a ska band and then later in Birmingham decided to dust off the trombone and get back at it. So. Oh, so you played like actual brass in a ska band. I did. I thought yeah. you played oh, bass. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's even That's cooler impressive. though. Thank That's you. Yeah. Were you a Five Iron Frenzy guy oh, or yeah. uh, OC Absolutely. Supertones, all that? Everything, yeah. yeah. And wow, very cool. Mel, you're a singer. Were you very impressed by the ska experience? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually like what got me to date him. Yeah. yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Not at all, actually. Oh my gosh. Well, that that's hilarious. I had no idea, but now we all know. <laughs> And so cool. do however many people listen to this podcast. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And uh, I think like one of the beautiful things about our friendship, Travis, is mm-hmm. just like the love for punk rock. And yeah, buddy, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you find people that love the Lord and, and love those things, it's kind of a rare. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And we, yeah. we actually just had Joe from Beloved and Advent on the show. And I think I texted you right That's when that right. happened. Yeah. I was like, you know who Beloved is. You're going to you're going to appreciate the cool <laughs> factor yeah. here. Amazing. Yeah, man. So, Okay, so both of you are very heavily involved in your church. As you mentioned, you both met at Covenant Life and you are still uh, heavily involved. So tell us a little bit about how you got connected there and what are the roles that you both serve in? Yeah, so I uh, currently serve on the women's team uh, with four other ladies in the church. Um, Just been serving there for about four years. Um, It's been really good um, for me uh, to serve there and just be further connected and um, uh, be in discipleship relationships and mm-hmm. just all of that has been uh, really beneficial for me personally. And then I also serve on the music team, been doing that for mm-hmm. quite some time. And you're a community group? Community group facilitator leader. Yeah, I'm forgetting everything I do there. Yeah, <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. community group leader, facilitator with, with Kev for about almost five years now. Wow. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And Kev, you, you're also, um, you serve as an elder at Covenant Life, right? That's, That's right. relatively recent, elder. right? Yeah. So back in February, <laughs> um, I was brought on as, as one of our lay elders, which just means to those who don't know, maybe that I also have a full-time job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really sweet. This year has been an interesting one, but yeah, to, to grow in my love for the church, even just as I serve as, as one of the under shepherds has been it's been a sweet voice. Yeah. That's awesome. One of the conversations I constantly have with the guys who are interns at Bay Life is uh, if you had started ministry at any other point, it would not have <laughs> looked like this. Right. So there's kind of something beautiful about you beginning to be an elder in a COVID age because mm-hmm. yeah. you don't have a whole bunch of things to unlearn from pre-COVID ministry. Yeah. Right. So how, what does that look like kind of shepherding from yeah. a distance? It's been challenging. I think just some of the planning, you know, with, with gatherings, Yeah, things just change overnight or, or they have. And, um, but it's, it's been really good. I think to see how the Lord has carried the church through yeah. unprecedented times. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, everything, a lot of things are the same, you know, the mission of the church is, is exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, just some of the ways we've gathered this year have, have looked differently and how, you know, I don't think a lot of us use Zoom before March and right. Right. we all know it like the back of our hand. So, yeah. yeah. Don't you wish like you'd bought stock in Zoom before this <laughs> oh, year? Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like I've heard so right. many people yeah. say that. You could you could afford to just be like a volunteer elder without a job a outside job. of it. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Do you always give financial advice on? No, not always. <laughs> it's yeah. new. No, it's and I don't thing. even know if it's sound financial <laughs> advice, <laughs> but I wish I had bought Zoom stock. Yeah. I agree. So um, obviously you all are, are married now and you, and you met through your church and kind of your experience uh, there serving at Covenant Life. Um, and I know when, when Mickey and I first started to have the conversation about getting married, uh, there's some like future life discussions that begin to take place just, just to make sure that, that you both are kind of walking in the same direction before you enter into that right. covenant together. Um, and one of those conversations is, is kids. And do you want kids? How many kids would you like? Um, how do you envision seeing your family kind of grow? I know uh, for us, the way that we <laughs> kind of broke the seal on that conversation is Mickey's like a huge fan of Chip and Joanna Gaines. Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> so, yeah. So what happened was 
I, I, I was in Argentina at the time because we had been doing long distance for a few months and there was like a magazine cover uh, that came out with Magnolia. I think they have like their own yeah. uh, magazine. And so it said something like we're expecting our fifth, sixth kid or something like that. And so Travis and I were talking about it and we were like, man, that's crazy. They have so many children. I mean, that's yeah. great. But um, there was an awkward silence on the phone. There was an awkward because this is all over the phone, yeah. too. So yeah. we didn't actually have this face to face. But we we kind of let, let like let there be an awkward pause. And I said, hey, Travis, I know we've only been dating for like a like a month or so. Um, but I don't want six kids. <laughs> and I don't mean to make this awkward, but I, th- I just feel like you should know that now. And he was yeah. like, oh, thank God, I don't either. And so yeah, yeah. we started kind of having those conversations about, okay, what do we want our future family to look like? Yeah. Right. So yeah. that kind of broke the seal right. for so, that yeah. conversation. So for you all, what what right. were kind of those initial conversations like? Did you go into marriage with sort of a an idea of what you wanted your family to look like as you started to have kids? Did you go in with a timetable or anything like that? So I think we both knew from conversations when we were dating that we definitely wanted children. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we both agreed like no more than like three, right? (laughs) Like keep it small, but, um, kids were definitely a part of the equation. Um, and always were, um, we, something we always agreed on. We always wanted children. Um, and I think closer to getting married, we decided, that it would probably be best for us to wait for a year mm-hmm. after we got married to start trying. Um, and that's pretty much what we did as mm-hmm. we waited a year cause we didn't want to start right away. Sure. Right. Yeah. I think there's certainly wisdom in that. You're, yeah. you're trying to figure out what it's like to live with oh, another yeah. person. Yeah. Right. It's not just like a roommate. And that's, yeah. and <laughs> I think that was, we just wanted to enjoy marriage for yeah. the first year and just not, put pressure on for that so absolutely and I think maybe one of the things we did and I I hear this a lot from other people like you go into marriage and you're kind of planning out your life and what that's going to look like and mm. kids is a big part of that and I think we probably fell into that trap of thinking okay we're going to have as many kids as we want without <laughs> understanding like mm. hey God is on the throne he is sovereign over whatever happens and so he yeah. could bring a kid sooner than we want or he oh, could sure. withhold a child or children forever. And, and I think we, we probably weren't thinking of that at the time. So, yeah, Mm, yeah, definitely. And, and so one of the things we wanted to ask you is once you did begin the process of trying to grow your family, what were maybe some of the indications that pointed you toward the fact that maybe it wasn't happening as soon as you wanted it to, or things were just kind of a little more difficult (laughs) than you had thought or planned. What were some of those indications? Yeah. So we started trying after a year of marriage, we agreed, you know, we, we mm-hmm. got to the end of, uh, our first year of marriage right. and we were like, are we sure that we want to start trying? Now it's go time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we had started trying and we tried for a whole year with okay. just nothing. And, and a lot of people tell you that it's very normal for a whole year to go by and nothing happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think you kind of tell yourself, okay, everyone's saying that's very normal. It's okay. You know, I shouldn't be worried. Um, and then we, um, had our first miscarriage in mm-hmm. December of that year. So it was like the very end of the first year of trying. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, and it was just like devastating. It was yeah. awful and, um, kind of floored us. Uh, I don't, I don't think, yeah, I think we were so excited, you know, when we right. found out and I was just, you know, just so excited. And and then it was just like utter and complete devastation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we, I think shortly after that, we did like uh, six months of Clomid, which is like a fertility treatment, um, mm-hmm. some medication. Um, and that, that was after we had met with the doctor. So we were just kind of like, okay, like coming to terms, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like this is difficult this is not like something's wrong um this isn't you know I think like kind of what Kev said early on we were just kind of naive to how children come about and yeah yeah and how easy versus not easy that could be and Mm, um for us it wasn't and I don't think we I think I pridefully went in and just never expected that to be a part of our story Mm. um and and then it was and 
Um, so we did six months of Clomid and I had like the craziest hot flashes I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> it was nuts. And yeah. <laughs> I felt like I was in menopause. It was awful. And then, um, and then, um, after that ended, we, so it was like a year and a half in, um, and we started, wow. uh, we did looked into like fertility clinics, um, which are really hard and they're really expensive and, uh, and very extremely awkward. Yeah. Um, and we did, um, an IUI, uh, which if you don't know what that is, you can just look it up. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's kind of like the roadmap of gotcha. what infertility looked like for us. Yeah. See, I think that this highlights something that for me was was something I feel like I learned along with you guys because I, I didn't, in my mind, it was, you know, it's a math equation. These two things come together and, and there's a baby yeah, uh, as, right. as long as you're trying. Um, yeah. But it's it's not that way for many, many, many people. Yeah. Um, and I feel like uh, even as, you know, we've talked about friends that we've had who are grappling with this issue, um, mm. it, it, it's so much more widespread than, yeah. than you realize yes. that's right um were there people that you were interacting with during this time mm-hmm. who, who had walked through something similar or did you have friends in the church who yeah yeah i think you know as part of the fall our bodies are broken and, mm-hmm. and one of those things like like you said the math equation just doesn't line up and so um we were just so blessed with um some friends within the church that really walked with us that have been through all these things like ahead of us and and they were such a resource um mm-hmm. i can't stress that enough. Um, like I, I really don't know how people get through it without people in the church that can, right. you know, walk with them, pray with them. Um, so that was such a gift to us. Yeah. Mm, definitely. And the reason why we wanted to have this conversation with you guys is because this is a real issue and it's happening to so many families. Um, right. and I feel like there's maybe not so many conversations happening about it. And so what we want to do is kind of provide helpful dialogue for people who are walking through this. So Mm. like Travis said, it seems like there's just so many more people going through this than we think. So we really wanted to highlight this. Um, So in the midst of the season, we kind of wanted to ask what was your prayer life like in this Mm -hmm. and during this time and how did you uh, experience God's grace? And the reason I ask is because, and I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before, Mm -hmm. but in August we found out Travis's dad had cancer yeah. And so that was a real shock for our family and we had no idea that was coming and, and it was, it was devastating for us. Mm-hmm. But I think during that time, our prayer life started kind of shifting. We learned to be very specific in our prayers mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that was modeled to us by friends and family and people in the church who were praying for us and kind of asking us, how can we be praying for you specifically? What are some things? Yeah. And so our prayer life, uh, I, I felt like it was very rich. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to ask that. What was it like for you guys walking through the season? Yeah, I think um, the words that come to mind for me are desperate mm. <laughs> uh, and mm. tearful and just mm. messy. Um, mm. yeah. I feel like I the the wide range of emotions that come with infertility yeah um and just uh, yeah i feel like <laughs> my prayer life <laughs> was just kind of marked by a whole slew of things um sure. and i think even just like repentance too um there was just a lot of and I'll get into that later, I guess, but a lot of like sinful reactions to things that were happening around me, um, that required a lot of repentance. And Mm -hmm. it was just really, really tough stuff. Like I think I've never prayed harder than, uh, going into someone else's baby shower. Mm -hmm. Um, and just knowing like, wow, what if I like cry? What if I break down in front of all these people that I don't know? Like, I I don't want to do this, you know, just, I remember thinking like, Mm like God, like sitting in the parking lot going like, how do I even put my foot, like one foot in front of the other to walk into Mm. this baby shower right now? Like, I just can't do this. Like, God, Mm. you have to carry me like, cause I can't, or, um, yeah, just difficult conversations with people. Mm. Um, yeah, there's different events in my life. Certainly like the miscarriages, like those were just like, how do I get through the next hour? You know, um, like Mm -hmm. God, you have to do this. You have to 
you have to like yeah carry me through this um so yeah just really desperate and I remember <laughs> yeah. just um like on our way to driving to these appointments you know and just all the it's all the brutal. emotions are, are hitting yeah. you kind of even just on that you know those minutes before yeah. you get good news or bad news and yeah. um just praying together and yeah. man like we'll we'll never forget even just back to your question earlier about like people in the church, like um, at a prayer meeting at our church, um, there was a couple that it's funny because we'll usually use like part of the the time of the prayer meeting where maybe we'll split up into smaller groups and pray mm -hmm. for some needs within the church. And this older couple in our church who's walked through infertility and they can never have biological children. They adopted um, and they're in their seventies now, but anyway, they, they were like, we're not going to pray for those things. We want to pray for you guys like we do every night. Wow. Mm. And I just remember we both just were, mm. I mean, the waterworks yeah. you know, turned on <laughs> because we were like, wow, like this couple really, they know this experience and they are praying for us yeah. um, like daily, which was such an encouragement. Mm. Yeah. I know in in the middle of something like this, uh, there there are probably some unique um, frustrations, unique sources of pain that that as as men and women we kind of feel differently. So, yeah. how, how did you all experience mm. this season in, in different ways? What were some of the the frustrations that were maybe common to you, Kevin, that that you had to process with Mel and vice versa? Yeah, yeah. So I think. Um, our experience was, was different. Sometimes it was the same, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. like the sadness would come for us in different ways or at different times. Mm -hmm. I just remember seeing Mel become really down and her, her normal temperament is just really upbeat and, and positive and kind of like, even as a couple that hadn't been married for very long, like seeing her go to a sad place and, and mm -hmm. staying there and not knowing how to pull her out or yeah. Yeah. not even being comfortable with her being there for an extended period of time. Yeah. Like I just remember feeling powerless and just really wanting to encourage, but knowing like sometimes my words and my presence will maybe not bring her to the point of, of happiness, but, mm. um, you know, there's something beautiful, I think in us being able to enter into each other's experiences and to, to bear one another's burdens. So I think it really was such a learning experience for us as a, as a married couple and, mm. um, a maturing, refining process. So a few months after my first miscarriage, um, my best friend got pregnant, mm -hmm. um, uh, after I think like two or three months of trying just happened really fast. And, um, she told me she was pregnant and I didn't get out of bed the next day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it like just sent me spiraling, yeah. um, yeah. And I think just the implications of what she told me hit me all at once. Like I have to like watch your belly grow and I have to, you know, the next nine months, it's not just, okay, baby's coming. It's like all the things that come along with that baby yeah. shower, your, you know, all this stuff. And, um, yeah, it was really, really hard. That was probably one of the hardest things I've ever walked through. Mm. And, um, I, I think it revealed in me a lot of anger mm. and bitterness and jealousy um, that unfortunately um, really did a number on our friendship. And mm. I, um, what I was talking about earlier with this, like there being a need for repentance and a lot of it and many times over and over again, mm. <laughs> um, my friend was just so gracious to me and it was so hard on her and it was hurtful. Um, but we had a lot of talks, a lot of good conversations. Mm. Um, and she was gracious and I think she modeled really well, um, mm. what it looks like to walk in grace with a friend that is just hurting. Mm. Um, yeah, that was probably, uh, one of the, one of the biggest like hardships in, and infertility that alongside just the actual miscarriages was just really, really, really hard. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I think 
kind of knowing like what to do. I, I think you almost don't know what to do when you miscarry. It's like this very weird range of emotions about yeah. this person I'm grieving over that I've never met. Um, and yet yeah. was so meaningful to me. And, um, yeah, those are the two things that come to mind when I'm asked like what was just frustrating. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, I think for us too, just to, like walking through this together and doing so imperfectly, like not knowing always if, if the, the answer was to, to bring Mel to a place where maybe um, like I could speak the truth in love mm. um, or if that was going to be in maybe a certain conversation, like a, like come like a sharp rebuke or wound in the moment. Yeah. Um, and so I think we just learning how to, to be emotionally strong and present was, was difficult. And I think for me, like, um, if you think of people going through this like season of waiting, um, like being a guy who, you know, went into my thirties and, and was still single. Yeah. Um, I felt like the Lord like taught me some lessons in that time of, of what it was like to, to be without this, this gift that I truly desired. Mm. Yeah. And then, so Mel, when Mel was going through this, um, at times I could empathize, but at other times, like I was like, I've already been through this and and I've like come on the other side and learned that God is good even if he withholds certain blessings from us and mm. so I think I lacked patience um in in certain times and and wanted her to kind of like be where I was in that moment and so um yeah it was just really again just a a good time for us to to learn um how to just be selfless and to to care, listen yeah. to to care yeah yeah and I think to to your point too I I think something that my bitterness and frustration revealed in me was that I was thinking about children in terms of deserving and undeserving. Mm. Like truly I like, God, why don't I have this thing? Like I deserve this. I've worked so hard to be yeah. here. And like, yeah. and truly like, you know, my theology <laughs> and what <laughs> I believe would say that's wrong. That's not true. It's a lie. And, mm. um, and I, it just, it was, yeah, it was good for me. It was painful, but it was good for me to kind of realize like, oh, like this is how I'm thinking about this. And yeah. like, you don't deserve this because you've only, you you haven't been through what I've been through, but you're being, mm. you're being given a child that like, and I think, you know, so working through some of those like feelings and emotions was helpful for me to kind of re reveal sin truly and mm. to repent, uh, to, to be done with that. Um, yeah. and to kind of work out some of those wrong thinking patterns. Yeah. Kevin, one of the things you mentioned, um, was that you felt like you maybe had an, an earlier experience with this, this hope deferred kind of in mm. being single and into your thirties. And I actually remember, I think it was the first time that you all miscarried sitting with you all around the bonfire of your house, yeah. uh, at, at the old house, yeah. uh, that has since been demolished and turned <laughs> into an so apartment sad. complex. Yep. And I, I mean, it was, you know, years ago, it was before Mickey and I were dating and I was, very much frustrated by the fact that I was pushing 30 and still yeah. single. And uh, you all had just walked through this devastating thing. And mm. um, there is something I think about that longing for a good thing mm. um, that, that we all go through at some point or another. That's right. Um, and it does capture something about, uh, about what the church is doing, right. As we wait on the return of Christ, right. Yeah. We long for this good thing mm -hmm. and it's yeah. not wrong to long for it. That's right. Um, and so that, you know, this desire to, to have children or to have a spouse, it's, yep. I think we want to affirm for people who yeah. are in that longing, like mm. this, there's a holy thing about that, yes, but we wait absolutely. well, you know, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. where it's really hard. And I don't think right. I did a great yeah. job of that in my waiting. <laughs> um, yeah. but, yeah. but yeah, yeah, there is something, there's a, uh, there's a correlation there. It's not the same, right? right. It's a different sort of pain, but it's yeah. interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that that I've I've been thinking about as we've been walking through this season with my dad and his cancer is that I feel like there have been maybe some unique lessons that God has taught us through this this disease and this sickness that we probably wouldn't have learned any other way. Yeah, and it's yeah. certainly not the way you want to learn the lesson. And and yet right. there are there are different life circumstances in which God teaches us in a way that we never would have learned otherwise. And so. I, we've touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious for you guys, as you look back on the season of infertility, what do you think are some of the things that the Lord showed you that, that you needed to walk through this season to understand? So I think God gave me fresh eyes 
for John 11 when uh, he raises uh, Lazarus from the dead. Um, but how just, yeah, that unique um, way that he interacts with the people there and mm. what he does before um, he raises him from the dead. I think um, just, yeah, Jesus like taking the time to weep um, over death yeah, was such a comfort to me. Um, just to know I'm not alone in that. Like he, he weeps with me and, Mm -hmm. um, that God, like the implications of him weeping, weeping over Lazarus, uh, was implied that he's weeping over, over sin and just death and that, that it is this way. And he's, and there's this, you know, longing for, um, death to be no more. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I think John 11 was sweet to me before that, but it is so incredibly sweet now. Like yeah. it just has so sweetened that particular passage. It's kind of like the C.S. Lewis quote, like God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts in our pains. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I think too, for Samuel one, uh, God's interaction with Hannah yeah. uh, was like particularly sweet too. And just like, I don't know, just his immense grace to not even rebuke her, but just like, lovingly correct and yeah. um and how he remembers her um i i clung to that yeah um, in that time so uh, you, you kind of touched on this in the passages that you just referred to but we wanted to ask what were some of the resources that you guys also turned to during this time you know were there specific books or maybe some groups or podcasts or just things that you found very helpful as you walked through the season of life yeah, so uh, there's a book called Seasons of Waiting. Don't know who the author is. <laughs> That's okay. Go- Google's um, powerful. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's actually it covers a wide range of topics. It's um, oh, okay. uh, childlessness and singleness and waiting for a house, waiting for mm. like just we're all. Um, it was real the whole premise of the book is like we're all waiting for something and yeah. we're all together collectively waiting for the Lord, like you touched on Travis. And so, um, so it kind of comes at it from that angle, but, um, the chapter on childlessness was really helpful for me. Mm. That's good. And I remember reading that with you. Yeah. It's funny because I'm somebody who's always helped by books and and I usually like, if there's a problem I'm going through or something, I'm trying to understand, like there's a book for it or Mm -hmm. multiple books. But I think like this infertility experience was just so unique, you know? So yeah, like um, there's some really good articles at the Gospel Coalition that helped me. And there's a book called Walking Through Infertility, which at the very end, there's some conversations like interviews with couples that have walked through it. And I remember being helped by that. But I think like above all, just like being in the church yeah, yeah. and having people like we alluded to earlier, just, you know, to walk with us um, was the best resource for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like um, what comes to mind with that too is like, uh, I think like, the night after we had our first miscarriage, um, uh, our lead pastor had us in his living room, like praying over us and just yeah. and, like loving on it. Like it was just, um, just so helpful and meaningful that I have people were just really showing up in there yeah. and, yeah. um, we were just so helped by our friends. Yeah. yeah. I think that's awesome. And, and we really did, um, want to kind of touch on, what were some of the great ways that the church supported you and was there for you? And then maybe for those of us who have not walked through this or don't have much experience walking through this sort of, um, this sort of struggle, what are some of the practices that the church can kind of avoid when trying to counsel or just trying to care for and trying to love on Mm. couples who are going through such a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Because, (laughs) and like I, like we said before, the reason that we sit you guys down and talk to you about these resources, because we want, we want to provide these resources for families. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk through these things because it is a prevalent issue. And so, uh, there is so much more going on than I think a lot of us think. Mm. And so we want to equip our church. We want to equip our, you know, our yep. fellow believers in yeah. comforting those who are going through the struggle. So yeah. we yeah. really wanted to know what were some things that we can definitely avoid. Yeah. It's yeah. good. I think, you know, people are not helped by, by pat answers that they've maybe heard a hundred times. Right. Mm. Um, but when, when somebody does give a pat answer, I think it, we can respond with grace and know that, you know, the intention is, right, is good. Right. But um, yeah, I think um, the Bible is just filled with 
categories of lament, you yeah. know, so when somebody brings their pain um, into a conversation with you, maybe it's even painful for them to talk to you about it. And so to, to enter into, and to empathize and to love. And ultimately, you know, we do want to bring people to the hope of that Jesus has, you know, to, you said the second coming when Christ will make all things new. Mm. Um, so we don't want to be shy about that. We, we don't want to just stay in the, that category of, okay, we're just going to cry together. Um, yeah. You know, ultimately, we we do want to show um, there's purpose in, in this, but I think sometimes we can kind of try to move people there too quickly and, yeah. and mm. do a lot of harm. Um, so, yes. yeah. 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 And again, like Kev said, I think there is a call to grace, right? Mm-hmm. Like we should, I but probably before going through infertility, I probably said unintentionally hurtful things to sure. people that were struggling. Um, or maybe still. Yeah, maybe still. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, truly. Um, So I think we should be gracious, but I think it's good that we're asking this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we enter in and not cause more pain? Right, right. Um, And I think my answer to that would be, I think, lead with listening, Mm. right? Just be slow to speak. I had a professor say, show up and shut up. Yes. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's perfect. Show up and shut up. And truly, um, I think just, I think we need to learn like what you said, Kev, about lament, like just be okay with someone being in a place that's really sad. I think we don't know what to do with sadness and struggle. Um, and we get uncomfortable with it and therefore we start running our mouth. Right. Yeah. right. Like nervously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to just be okay with that and stop doing that. Um, yeah. yeah. And truly, I mean, and of course, like staying away from things like you'll get pregnant or, oh, you right. know, it'll. What about it, adoption? Just yeah. adopt. Or, or have you tried never lead the with the words at least. <laughs> Yeah. Don't ever, right. 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 Just right. don't. Just stay away from that. Have you ever tried? Yes, we've yes. tried that. <laughs> don't ask me. Like, right. You want to get awkward? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Truly, <laughs> please don't ask me if I've tried that because I have. Right. Um, and because some of those processes are really invasive too, it's ooh. like you don't want to relive some of that <laughs> stuff. So right. So I think yeah, just being gracious um, and just being quiet yes. is like truly, and maybe asking. Um, well thought out questions uh, yeah. that are open ended and letting the person kind of set the pace. Yeah, that's mm. good. You know, there's a theologian I think Kev, you and I both really like Zach Eswin, oh, and yeah. uh, he's got this phrase that he uses to be sad about a sad thing is wise, mm. and and it's a wise it's a wise that. phrase. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I feel that. Um, but I'd to, probably be edified by his grocery list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but but it's I, so true. It's so true, and I think we're not comfortable with letting people be sad about sad things. Yeah, um, right. That's right. We're too quick to rush to well, the joy of the Lord is our strength, so you know, be happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we're not willing to sit at the tomb with Jesus and weep. Um, mm, yeah. So I yeah. think yeah, we could all benefit from having a greater capacity to lament. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, and I realize that people always have the best of intentions, right? So it's hard to kind of parse out people's questions or their, their approaches. But, and I think even in myself, my instinct always, even when Travis is sad or upset about something, my instinct is to fix it. And yeah. so I always kind of, my instinct is to jump to, well, I can do this, or what if you tried this, or what if whatever? And <laughs> Travis graciously sometimes is like, "I I don't need solutions right now. Can you just listen to me?" Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. something that we've had to figure out in our relationship too, as we've gotten married. Is mm-hmm. what are some of the times where I just need you to be sad with me, yeah. or I just need you to that's lament good. with me, or if I'm angry about something, just hear me out, and, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. too to that we also need to do a better job with our brothers and sisters who are going through struggles and things like this where we don't have to fix things Mm -hmm. we can't i can't fix things in in my own power but i can listen to you and i can give you the space to have dialogue with me about these kinds of things so i think too i I don't know our some of us our instincts are to 
just try to, well, yeah. have you done this? Did you try that? And, yeah. and yeah. that's not wise. Right. Well, so and I, good. I think you go, I mean, if we go back to the Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, right? Yeah. Before he fixes, he weeps, mm-hmm. right? right? And so before he even, and he's the only one who can fix these things, right. yeah. but before he does, he doesn't say, stop crying. I'm going to fix it. Right. You know, right. He, he right. just weeps. And everything like in our culture, I think, you know, we're, we pride ourselves on individual accomplishment and achievement and kind of what you can do and become. And mm-hmm. I think God will just throw these situations in our life where it's like, I'm powerless here, right. you know, right. um, I am at the mercy of, of God. And, and it really is like, I think on the other side of, of suffering, sometimes we can look back and, and see how God was really kind to us just to allow us to be reminded that mm. yeah. um, I had to cry out to you because I couldn't fix this. Like Nikki right. was yeah. saying. So obviously this, this season of walking through infertility didn't last forever. Um, we'll, we'll see how much gets edited out, but by <laughs> now I'm sure uh, people listening to this have heard your daughter, Etta in the background. Yes. Um, so talk to us about that process of, of moving from this, this valley and this season of longing to, to that hope being fulfilled. So kind of a long story. Um, we, uh, did a fertility treatment called an IUI. Um, and, um, I quickly miscarried right after we found out we were pregnant as a result, I miscarried. And, um, it was just all over again, like really devastating. This is two and a half years into trying. Um, and yeah, I think we were just like weary. Um, we actually took a trip right after that was really well planned. Um, and it was teary and it was sad and, but it was like a really good time to just get away and kind of process what had just happened. And, um, and then the we told next, ourselves like we weren't going to try for a while. Right. We mm. wanted to heal. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it just takes some time. And then the next month I took a pregnancy test and it was positive and, we were devastated all over again. I, I, I yeah. automatically just assumed like, I'm going to have to walk through this mm, twice yeah. within two months. Like right. this is insane. Mm. Um, and I was honestly like a little bit angry. Like, why am I having to experience this again? Like I just assumed like this was a miscarriage all mm. over again. So we, um, I, t- I actually went in for some testing, some blood work, um, because mm. they had to just make sure that this wasn't my body. Just right. Right reacting to having just miscarried but um they called me back and told me I was four weeks pregnant wow and and I think it was really scary in the beginning because right like that's like the time when people do miscarry a lot of times and um so we were just prayerful but um just I think we didn't want to get our hopes up too much but then after a few weeks had gone (laughs) by it just really I think the excitement took some time because of you know just how closely um, closely those things happened. But and I remember Mel had a friend who told her, um, even if this ends in loss, yeah. just find joy in the moment. Like don't withhold yourself yeah. from experiencing, mm. um, the excitement. Mm. Um, and I thought that was really good counsel. Yeah. That yeah. Was, I'm so thankful she said that because yeah. it kind of allowed me to live in that and, yeah. and hold, hold that. <laughs> Yeah. For however long I got it. Right. Yeah. Oh man. And we'll never forget the day you guys told us you were pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and yes. and I don't know what it was, but I was like, they're going to tell us they're pregnant. I knew oh, it. Yeah. I yeah. knew it. I knew it. And I was like, watch. Oh and then gosh. you guys did. And that was the same yeah. day we asked you both to be yes. in our wedding. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it was just oh. such a tearful, excited, like just yeah. a, a crazy time for us. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget that. It was a really good day. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was a really sweet season. Yeah. yeah. And we were on our honeymoon when you guys found out you were having Etta. Yes. She's going to be a baby girl. So yeah. we were like, yeah. yes. <laughs> so right. Etta's story is just so wrapped up in, in like our own story right. when yes. we first got married. So Aww. we're so thankful for that. I love yeah. that. Absolutely. That's yeah. Sweet. Yes. Our birthdays are five days apart. So, yeah. So maybe yeah. you can do a joint birthday party yeah. next year. Maybe I would so. do a joint birthday. Right? Yeah. I would do it. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, yes. So, um, as we kind of wrap up, we just kind of wanted to ask you for someone who is struggling with infertility right mm-hmm. now, how would you encourage them to trust in the Lord in this season? What are some ways that maybe you could uh, just encourage them in this time? Yeah. I think, um, well, it's funny, you know, people might look at our story and, and we waited for three and a half years maybe, and they might say, that's nothing. You know, I've, I've been through this for, for 10 years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, everyone's experience is, is different. Um, and so I think, uh, 
our, our hearts just really go back out to anybody who's, um, you know, suffering in this, like, uh, you know, we, we know friends who are continuing to walk this journey and sometimes it can feel like, man, why were we blessed with this, mm-hmm. uh, child when they're continuing to, to have mm-hmm. to wait. And so I think just that waiting and longing, um, is something I think in the Christian life we have to keep at the forefront. And, um, again, just submitting yourself to God's perfect plan is not always easy, but it's worth it. Um, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, he's good. Um, regardless of if he didn't give us another day, if he never gave us anything else and he's given us enough in his son and his Mm -hmm. spirit. Um, and so, um, really, really learning to, to take hold of that, I think is, is, um, what we need. Yeah. I think my number one word of advice would be to go to the word and don't come up for air until your soul is completely convinced that God is good and that he's enough. Mm. I would say that that is, and, and making that a discipline too. Yeah. Um, that's good. Cause I think there's just like a lot of lies and a lot of just junk that fills your head when, and just, things you start to believe, um, when you're walking through something like this and you can really question. And I think ultimately that's the best thing for your soul, Mm -hmm. um, is the word. And I think just cling to your church family. Um, let them in, let them know, uh, what's going on. Um, and you're not alone. There's so many people that are struggling. It's so easy to feel like everybody's getting pregnant. Everybody is getting this thing that I want and why me? So, um, Mm -hmm. and that's just not true, but yeah, I think just like letting people into your struggle, like even this podcast, I think is just a good step in the direction of getting rid of the stigma around infertility. Mm -hmm. There's like, um, I think back in the day, especially there, this was just a no touch subject. Like we don't go there. Um, and yeah, I think we should be talking about it. And, um, these, I think these conversations help people to feel like able to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think people outside of the church, you know, they, maybe they're not hearing um, people talk about this and, yeah. and they're encouraged to see how Christians are, have um, the Lord that helps them walk through these things. And I think that can even just, um, you know, have a lot of inroads for um, mm-hmm. sharing people with people, the hope we have in Christ. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for sharing your experience. I'm, I'm reminded of what Paul says in second Corinthians that God comforts us so that we can comfort others in their affliction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I trust that this, this conversation is going to be a comfort to others as you share what God has done for you in this season. So thanks thank for joining both. us. Thanks yeah. guys. Thanks for having us. so much for tuning into this episode of the stone table if you've enjoyed this conversation with the wilders as much as we did please be sure to rate and subscribe also we would love to hear from you if you have any questions or have any topics that you would love to hear discussed on the show please feel free to send us an email at the stone table at baylife.org or make sure to connect with us at our instagram page the stone table podcast for baylife church i'm mickey and this is the stone table